Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 620. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am Angelique Roche. Good morning, Agent M. Hola! How's it going? Good, 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 good. Uh, this week, we at Marvel New York, um, sort of officially as a large group, are back in the office more <gasps> regularly, which is wild. Um, seeing people I haven't seen in person in, honestly, several years. Meeting people I've been working with for the first time in person, which is neat. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's that been the big stuff this week, and it's a lot of fun. How are you doing? Uh, I've lost my voice a little bit, which is, tell. you know, man, it's, look... I live in New Orleans. I don't know what to tell you. Every once in a while, there's like a big party. And then you go and you talk a lot and you're talking over music. You don't realize how loud you're talking Mm. because everyone's talking loud. But I want to be clear. um, The New Orleans Saints had their first home game on Sunday. Mm. And uh, we narrowly, narrowly pulled that through. So there was a lot of... There was a lot of um, at-home coaching. Sure, sure. But we are not here just to talk about sports and office moves. We are here because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about all the things happening this week in Marvel. That's right. We're going to be talking about games, comics, books, toys, movies, TV, and whatever else we're excited about. And yo, there's so much to be excited about Uh, this week. We are talking to Jesse Falcon, Ryan Ting, and Dwight Stahl from Hasbro, all about the recently announced Marvel Legends Giant Man Haslab. Ho, 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 Ryan, I'm so jealous you got to talk about this. Um, You can hear that full interview in just a bit. Oh, yeah. You know what? Before that, we want to get into something super cool because this week there's a really awesome event for Marvel's Spider-Man 2. And here to talk about it, we have Josh Soleil. Hello, Josh. What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Yeah, Josh, our Marvel fans may know you from our red carpet live streams or our convention, like everything's. Tell us about this event you attended for the game. Where was it? What was it set up like? Like, give us, like, paint the picture of the room for our listeners. So I couldn't believe it. Sony Insomniac Games and Marvel had this beautiful event in downtown Los Angeles. As soon as you walk in, uh, you take an elevator up and Oscorp is the receptionist uh, getting you inside, which was great. They had a symbiote inside a glass case that was like exploding out that was trying to escape. And as you entered, you saw Peter Parker and Miles Morales statues that were as tall as me. And Brian and Tahar, senior creative director at Insomniac Games, welcomed us in to this event. Uh, He started giving us details that a lot of people didn't know uh, about, which was great. And this was just this was just the main room. So as Brian was speaking, that then opened up into main rooms. So we went to this kind of carnival area that we've seen in gameplay trailers, and you could play carnival games, which was really cool. Tons of photo opportunities. They had the Lizard's Laboratory, so Kirk Connor's lab. You can go in, put a lab jacket on, and take photos. Craven's throne room was insane. You had elephant heads, rhinoceros heads, an entire throne. You had uh, Craven's lineage on the wall that you could check, a fireplace, uh, a couch that you could sit on. They they went all out. I could not believe it. Uh, and then they had the gameplay area where you can sit, play the game for 
as long as you really wanted to, three hours, really, if you could sit there the entire time. Complete open area. You can explore New York, check out different collectibles, and then do about five to six campaign missions. And we can go into that when 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 you want to. <laughs> yeah, no. So we do want to talk about the gameplay because I think that's what everybody's excited about. Um, I, I, I'll reiterate here. Uh, this is a little bit spoilery, just in in sense that the game's not out yet. The game comes out, of course, October 20th, only on PlayStation 5. But if you don't want to hear about this tasty, tasty gameplay, I, fast forward, you know, maybe. But Josh, tell us, walk us a little bit through the, uh, the demo. You mentioned you could play for as long as you wanted. How long did you actually play for? I probably played around for two to two and a half hours. Dang, son. <laughs> I was, it was so hard to like pull me away from it. So the demo opens up with uh, Peter. He's already in the black suit. You're about three hours into the game already. And you're walking into a chapel and you're hunting Craven. Craven has uh, Kurt Connor's antidote around his neck. And so you're looking for Craven. Craven's in the shadows. You don't know where he is. This is all a cutscene at first. And then Craven is attacking Peter. And you're getting hit. You're getting knocked off. And then what happens next is Peter gets knocked into a bell. And we all know what happens when the symbiote hears a bell. So Peter, mm -hmm. the tentacles start coming out. He's like, he's like in pain. Craven's mocap, which was totally knocked me off my feet, doesn't say a single word. You just see his eyes look left to the bell, look back at Peter and go, I know exactly what to do next. And it was just the, the, the PS5 performance capture was incredible. So he hits the bell again. Peter's in pain. Uh, the symbiote reaches out, attacks the bell, stops it. He grabs the antidote off Craven's neck. And he's like, you know what? We're going to continue this another time. I have to go save my friend Kirk Connors. And he swings away. Meanwhile, Craven goes, my final hunt. And you can see that there's a tracker on the antidote that was on Craven's mm. neck. So he's tracking now Peter Parker. Uh, so then from there, you go from uh, becoming Peter and you go to see Harry Osborn. And you're like, wait a second, does Harry know that Peter is Spider-Man because Peter's in costume? And he does, Peter told him. Uh, so you're at the Emily May Foundation, which is something that Harry Osborn created to help heal the world. And it's this huge laboratory uh, that has all these really cool gadgets. And Peter and Harry now work on an antidote for Kurt Connors at this lab. And so they're working on a cure. And while they're working on a cure, guess who comes in? Craven's goons. They explode the ceiling, explosion after explosion. And what was really cool about this, about the scene right before that is you have to go into this particle accelerator. And they used the PS5 control in a way that's never been used before for me, was you could take the taptic triggers, L2, R2, and you had to like measure where to hold them down, kind of like balance it, like the spectrum on, on the game. So you're like trying to find a way to use, to like push them down, but not too much, not too little. And I was like, I've never used a controller like this before. So that was really cool. Uh, so then all the goons come in, explosions everywhere. You're fighting 20 to 30 to maybe even 40 people at a time, which, Whoa. The, the PS5 didn't skip a beat, to be honest with you. It was it was insane. And what was so cool about this was now you're playing as Peter in the black suit. So every hit is weighted. You're doing moves that you're like, this doesn't look right. I'm morally like not okay <laughs> with this, but also I don't want these people to win. <laughs> and it's so funny because um, the writers that I spoke to, Ben Arfman, the narrative director, and Lauren Mee, the advanced senior writer, they were saying that's exactly how we wanted you to feel when playing in the black suit. Like, yeah, we want to take down these these enemies, but also like we don't want to incapacitate them for life. Like we're still we still are a good person at heart, but the black suit is kind of taken over. 
So you're just like tendrils are going everywhere. You're you're grabbing like five five people at once, slamming to the ground. You're just feeling like the most OP Spider-Man you've ever felt in your life. And and it's awesome. And you have abilities on your L1, you have abilities on your R1, and I was just spamming them. I was like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what what that was nothing stopping me right now. Uh, so then, yeah, from there, you're just like defeating people. You're having a great time. The laboratory completely gets destroyed. You and Harry <laughs> escape. Norman Osborn comes down in a helicopter. Harry's defeated. All of his life's work is now destroyed. And you could see like maybe this is the turning point for Harry. Norman's like, all I cared about was you, son. I don't care about the lab. And then you switch over to Miles Morales. And now you're, you're, you're swinging through. You're thwipping through New York as Miles. And this scene with Miles and Rio, his mom, brought tears to my eyes. He, he goes to see his mother and his mom's like, what's going on? What's happening? And he, at first he's like, you know, teenage walls. I don't want to talk about it. I don't talk about it. But then the way the mocap captures Rio's face where she doesn't say anything, she just kind of like tilts her head and goes like, speak. They talked about how he wants to stop Martin Lee and he's still affected by the past. And Rio, they both have like water in their eyes, how they could capture it. And Rio's like, you know, you have to let go of the past. You have to focus on Miles because you're, you're getting ready for college. you got to focus on your, your career, your life. And so it was a really beautiful moment between them. And then from there, you're just kind of swooping around as Miles and collecting Easter eggs, if you like. You go see your, your dad's grave, which was an incredible moment as well. And then you start looking for Kurt Connors, uh, which was interesting for the traversal mechanic when you're swooping around town because they added web wings. And web wings, I could not stop using them. I would go, <laughs> I would go from thwipping to diving down to opening up web wings to diving down again to hitting a vent with web wings and just, I felt like I was flying through New York and I couldn't believe how quick it was through traversal. Okay, Josh, you already mentioned Peter's combat and mechanics and how the symbiote affects it, but what can you tell us about Miles? Miles's combat is a lot faster than Peter's. It's more acrobatic. There's more electrocution. Uh, they upgraded him with some um, awesome um, Venom electrocuted abilities, uh, which was really cool to have him kind of do more area of effect attacks where he kind of puts everybody up and then you can like juggle them in the air. Uh, and so then you're, you're going after Kurt Connors. You go, you find him, you do a stealth mission. You can turn invisible if you like. You find the lizard, he's gigantic. And this was when the gameplay trailer started in that you most people might have seen in June. And it was just like kind of horror elements to it because you're looking for a, a monster. And the Insomniac dev said, but the research they did, you're going to like this, Ryan. The research they did for the lizard was they looked at Godzilla, King Kong, yeah. and other monster yeah. movies uh, to, to, to find the best way to portray lizard. And it really feels like a, a monster movie. And then you switch back to Peter. You're switching back and forth. You're, you're finding Craven goons. And then you face off against Lizard as Peter Parker in the symbiote suit. And then you have this huge boss battle with Lizard. It's insane. It's like you and the symbiote. You're trying to hold him down. You're, you're fight, fighting him against the walls. He's throwing stuff at you. You can't, uh, you can't really dodge his attacks because they're too fast. So you have to learn how to parry really well or, or kind of thwip around. Uh, so that was an amazing, amazing fight scene. And what they did with the combat was it's a lot faster. You have to be more nimble and more quick on the reaction time, especially with that parry button. Uh, everything's kind of been dialed up uh, from the previous two games. Uh, and then after that, it, it's, it's nonstop for about, I want to say, 20, 30 minutes. Lizard breaks free. You're chasing him through New York. Craven's uh, hunters are chasing both of you. You're, you finally go up this building. You're held by him, symbiote web. Uh, web swing 
You're going left and right trying to dodge this craven truck that's going back and forth on this building. Glass is flying everywhere. Helicopters are shooting at you. You get to the top. Craven comes up, shoots Lizard with an explosive arrow. Lizard gets knocked <laughs> off the building. You're like, oh no, I gotta save him. You dive down. You try and save Kurt Connors. Craven shoots him again with an explosive arrow. The tail, his tail explodes off. You finally take the serum that you've been trying to stab Kurt Connors this entire time to heal him with. And the same time you think you stab him, you crash into the sidewalk and the game ends. And you're like, I don't know what just happened. The cliffhanger. What happened? <laughs> it's insane. If not like God. the craziest action movie. <laughs> and that was two and a half hours of play. Like two, two and a half There's hours. so much more. The spider drones you collect are Spider-Verse Easter eggs, which was really cool. Uh, every time you take um, uh, a photo, Robbie Robertson tells you the lore of it, uh, which was awesome. So there's like, they added so much more levels. I could talk for hours. <laughs> so I, I feel like just listening to you, I feel like there were so many things in here that surprised you. Is there anything in particular that's like, this was the most exciting surprise? Just was it an aspect of gameplay? What was it? So here's a really cool Easter egg that I feel like only really Marvel comic fans would know about. You're in the Oscorp and Lizard's lab. So before he turns into Lizard, Norman's trying to help him. And they see these, these, these rocks from planets. And you don't know what they are, but you see a specific circle that's within another circle. Uh, that's a specific logo or icon to a specific Venom person or symbiote character in the world. And I was like, is that null? Is that null? They're, 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 they're hinting at null three hours into the game. What is happening? <laughs> what? So I was freaking out. Um, whatever that means in the future of this game, I have no idea. In terms of gameplay, the biggest thing was I was shocked how many elements were happening at the same time in gameplay. So you had environmental damage. You had 30 to 40 people attacking you at once. At the same time, you have a boss, trucks flying everywhere. The, the amount of, of performance power that the PlayStation 5 showcases, because the, the Marvel Spider-Man came out on PS4 and PS5. So we really weren't able to see the PS5's true performance in this game. So I think just the scope of there's so much happening at once, I want to take it all in and and I'm just I'm a kid in a candy store. I think that was it. Yeah. So cool. Love all of this. And uh congratulations to you, Josh, on successfully uh having your Kickstarter for your your card game. What was that game again? Uh it's called Change My Mind. It's a party card game. If you like some kind of like crazy, raunchy type of party games, laugh with friends. It's all about debating and ranking the craziest things you'll ever rank. So yeah, it's it's out right now, so check it out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, people can go check that out. And where can they find you on social media? Uh, check me out, Josh Soleil on Instagram, Josh D. Soleil on X, I guess we're calling it now. Uh, and you can find me on, uh, on Marvel.com. We're going to be at New York Comic Con together, which I can't wait uh, to talk more yeah. about all things we love. Yeah. Heck yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. All right, everybody, you can experience Marvel Spider-Man 2 for yourself when it swings exclusively onto PlayStation 5 on October 20th, 2023. Next up, uh, it's your favorite thing in the whole wide world. I am so excited. This week in Marvel Move, it keeps moving. Um, Hulk, Hulkville, episode three, Roots and Wells. With cases of radiation poisoning in the area, you and Bruce investigate a possible source around the witch tree. But... 
are you really alone out there? Do, oh, do, come do. on, dude. Like, really? That's so creepy. Oh, this one gets real creepy. It's some fun stuff. And then over in our Thor and Loki section, so we've got the 5K training, week four of that. So that this week, you and uh, the Asgardian brothers, Thor and Loki, you go to Vanaheim. You, uh, in the first episode, Thor befriends a piglet, also makes an enemy of the piglet's mother. I'm yep. sorry, what? Uh-huh. Befriends a piglet? It's so... it's. That Look, sounds adorable, but and also funny like, and it, ridiculous. Don't mess with people's moms. Oh yeah, she big. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But then Idun is there, who um, she's a big old badass Vanaheim lady. Uh, in our story, yeah, she's she's sort of like the head of of Vanaheim. It's a lot of fun. She's really great. But we get some big revelations about what's going on across the realms. Um, some some intense action. A lot of running that you're going to have to do as you train in this week four. Now, if you are already trained up, you don't need to tra- get ready for a 5K. We have Thor and Loki Trials of the Ten Realms, Episode 8. This is um, the, just the story part of our Thor and Loki stuff. And this is Thor and Loki in Nidavellir. And they are hanging out with dwarves. And there's sheep in this episode. And it cracks me up every time I hear it. Oh, this is a sheep episode. Oh my. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm ready for the sheep. Yeah. In the meantime, we are also very excited because the women in Marvel are back for episode two of their brand new season. Yeah. This one is all about Shuri. And of course, last week we had the season premiere focused on Jean Grey. This week's episode of Women of Marvel takes a trip to Wakanda as Ellie, Preeti, and the rest of the crew delve into Shuri. This week's episode features interviews with writer Nettie Akorafor, actors Letitia Wright and Daisy Lightfoot, chemist Sabrina Collins, and the author of three Shuri novels herself, Nick Stone. So the books that I write, she is 13. She starts out as this 13-year-old kid. Her mother is very keen on her doing more princessy things and fewer combat-ish, science-y things. And she really is working to prove that what she is into is valuable to her beloved, beautiful mother. And I had a blast writing her at that age because when I was 12, 13, my favorite books to read were like hardcore adult science fiction. I was a huge Michael Crichton fan, loved the scientific concepts in Jurassic Park, in Sphere, in The Lost Worlds. And so I really enjoyed getting to write this girl who was a lot like I was when I was her age, says the old lady. No, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> of course, if you want to hear the rest of this interview, head over to the Women of Marvel podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to show them some love. Give them some five stars like you give us all the five stars. This just in breaking-ish news, Rogers the Musical has an original cast recording, and you can listen to it right now on all streaming platforms. It is available starting today. Woohoo! It features 12 tracks from the one-act musical theater production, most recently performed at the Hyperion Theater in Disney California Adventure Park, in addition to Save the City from Marvel Studios' Hawkeye and Star Spangled Man from Marvel Studios' Captain America. There are five all-new original songs written specifically for this production by Grammy Award winning composer Christopher Lenertz and lyrics by Jordan Peterson, Christopher Lenertz, and Alex Caracas. I love this. Everybody listen to it like a million times. 
Now, I know y'all have watched Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 a bajillion times on Disney+, Plus, but now we've got Marvel Studios Assemble, the making of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is now streaming, yes, on Disney+. Plus. I love the Assembled. I... I call them docs, but they're just these very special features that really spotlight all the amazing, amazing people who bring these stories to life. We got more Marvel Studios goodness this week because The Marvels has a brand new look and an exclusive IMAX poster. Of course, the film is in theaters and IMAX on November 10th. And so the the cool thing about the IMAX version, it includes more than 30 minutes of an IMAX exclusive 191 expendable aspect ratio featuring up to 26% more picture and select sequences throughout the film. So just bigger, cooler, more imax awesomeness. Uh, you can check out the new IMAX poster and trailer over at Marvel.com. Here's a cool piece of news revealed this week. Marvel Art Atelier Challenge winner Federica Manson makes her Marvel Comics debut in Miles Morales Spider-Man number 11. So uh, this past June, the Marvel Art Atelier invited aspiring comic book artists for a one-of-a-kind training program. And you can see some of those results from that at the Jack Kirby Legacy Gallery alongside a collection of artwork by the world's most iconic comic artists. And so during the program... This class of talented mentees uh, just did some really cool stuff under the guidance of Marvel artist and mentors Giuseppe Camacoli, Olivia Coipel, along with Stormbreakers artist Peach Momoko and Natasha Bustos. So there were a whole bunch of challenges and themed and stuff. There was a, a final 24-hour challenge to draw an entire comic page. And after all that, Federica Manson was selected as the strongest perspective mentee of the week on the basis of her incredible work. And now the young artist has won her very first official Marvel assignment. She got it in person by Marvel Comics Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sapolsky. And fans can see her artwork in the upcoming issue of Miles Morales Spider-Man number 11 coming out this October. She fills in for the incredible artist Federico Vicentini. Uh, but I feel like we're going to be talking about Federica Manson for quite a while. All right, time for some comics news because legendary writer Chris Claremont is celebrating Wolverine's 50th anniversary with a new series, Wolverine, Madripoor Nights. Oh my gosh, no, yeah. Madripoor is enough, but <laughs> <laughs> when you put a K in front of the end, it just gets very complicated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so starting January 2024, Marvel Comics is proudly celebrating this milestone anniversary of the old knucklehead. And that's going to be pretty cool because this issue follows up the events of one of the most beloved Wolverine tales on Kenny X-Men 268. It's that iconic Jim Lee cover, Wolverine, Captain America, Black Widow. You know it. You love it. You've seen it. It's been homaged a trajillion times. But this is actually a story following up on that story. Uh, so this will be a five-issue limited series drawn by Edgar Salazar, and together Chris and Edgar will pick things up where Uncanny X-Men 268 left off as Captain America joins Wolverine and Black Widow in the dangerous streets of Madripoor, hunt down a planet-threatening weapon, and the multiple enemies looking to control it. Get ready because the first issue is on sale February 7th, 2024. Holy moly, Angelique, we're talking about comics in 2024. Oh, we're so <laughs> close to 2024. <laughs> 
In other awesome anniversary news, we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of Power Pack. And what better way to do that than a new series, Power Pack Into the Storm, number one, hitting stands in January and bringing back the amazing co-creators of Power Pack, Louise Simonson and June Bregman. It's uh, it's going to be really cool. Very special. If you've never read Power Pack, go check it out on Marvel Unlimited. Also in comics, we got a bit of Thor news Hot off the presses to talk about it is writer Al Ewing. Hello. Hi. I want to talk about, before we kind of get into Immortal Thor number five, because folks are really excited, let's take a step back and talk about the actual run so far. How did how did this start? What were your thought processes on it? Like, where are we at with Thor? I mean, I think, I think really... Um... I'd had it in my head for a while that I wanted to do a second Immortal title just because I wanted another sort of swing at something that was that big and, and meaningful. And the, the the first Immortal title turned out that way was because, you know, we we knew we needed to kind of do a great number one. And after that great number one drop, we just, we just kept swinging and we just kept swinging harder and harder. At the same time, it was quite a painful experience, you know, both because of the subject matter and things around it. Um, so I was sort of also looking to do something that was a bit more optimistic and where where Hulk is, you know, a very horror uh, character, very horror-based. Um, and I was, you know, kind of writing a lot of quite a heavy emotional stuff in there. I think Thor in his nature is more of a sort of high fantasy character, so it's much more of a kind of... Um, you sort of write that from a position of hope, um, which is nice. It's nice to have. It's nice to have a little hope in this one. Um, but it's... I, I kind of, with... The reason it's an immortal thing is that I want to um, tackle not the same themes, but sort of similar themes. It's going to get it's obviously it's very mythological, you know, by Thor's kind of very nature. It's got a touch on myths and legends and a religion to an extent. You know, if Immortal Hulk was the Old Testament, then Immortal Thor is the New Testament. And it's it's kind of Immortal Hulk was very kind of informed by the Book of Job in the end. Whereas this is more a sort of you know, obviously I'm going I'm going to like the Norse Edders and to these very kind of old storytelling and old legends and things of that nature, but also um, I want to have another another look into my kind of relationship with like agnosticism, you know, the known and the unknown and the divine of it all. And that's kind of, I think if you, if you do a comic that's sort of aiming that high, it's like the old saying, you know, shoot for the moon and you might just hit the stars. I feel like every so often you've got to, you've got to aim for something that high or kind of what are we doing here sort of thing. I also got to ask, issue five. I'm very excited that um, I get to say, I guess it's kind of an exclusive about Immortal Thor number five. I hear something about an all new Thor core. Right. Well, let's let's talk about that cover. It's um, basically everyone who has 
not everybody, um, because Eric Masterson is sadly no longer with us. But um, a whole bunch of the people who have previously been Thor ah. are Thor again to back up Thor, the main Thor. Is that a storm? Storm has now. Storm wasn't strictly Thor. I think she had a different. Yeah, hammer, no, but like, I remember this. Come on, she was mm-hmm. holding an extremely Mjolnir-like hammer. Um, you know, if it wasn't Mjolnir for them, that's as far as I'm concerned, we're arriving late. Uh, it's past time she picked up the real. And that, and that's is that a Jane Foster I see over there? Yeah, Jane, Jane, Jane Foster's Jane Foster's back to kind of. To, to do a do a turn of Thor again. She was she was Thor again quite recently, I know. Um I was I was thinking like, well we need we need five of them and you know, if we're bringing in Beta Ray Bill and Loki and Storm, you know, if if Jane's not there, it looks like a snub. It looks like a deliberate non invite. And I love Mr. Horse. So look, I also feel like you've got some of the baddest baddies you possibly could have brought in for a team. Yeah, I mean it's it's the the question of kind of all of these people have been have been holders of them in the past. Um I think the difference this time is that now we've established the status quo where Thor decides, you know, who is worthy. So he's sort of making the call here. Um, so it's pretty much like a kind of a kind of draft pick. There's Beta Ray Bill is on this cover. You've got Storm. You've got Jane Foster. You got Loki. Uh, but you know, you got a lot of people in one hammer. Yeah, we we cover that. We cover. We do cover that. <laughs> um, how we cover that and how that works will be. Um, I will let longtime Thor readers guess. It's kind of. Uh, I think once I think once you read the issue, you'll find it. it it's a it's a fun solution to that problem. Um, what I will say is that oh. Thor does not create four more. It's not like it's not like um, a power ring, you know. <laughs> Thor, Thor doesn't create mini Mjolnirs. These are all the main hammer. Each and every one of them brings something, not just power set wise, but their experience, how they think through problems. Um, like it almost feels like you put together a starting lineup for the NBA finals. It is. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is definitely, I mean, I'll see what the reaction is like, but there's definitely room for this team to, you know, return, um, after this storyline. The reason, the reason Thor picks them is that they are the most experienced with the hammer. It's people who have experience at kind of being a thought, um, and you know, and, and yeah, Eric Eric Masson would be on this team, but he's dead. Um, you know, it would be a team of six. Al, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to. I just want to see how we pass the hammer. Like, and I know I'm saying hammer, but it just sounds like <laughs> past the Mjolnir just doesn't sa- doesn't have the same kind of like disco mm. jingle. It'll be it'll be fun. <laughs> I think it's kind of we're we're sort of in the early days of the book, if I have my way. So it's sort of the right time for a kind of a fun thing like this to drop. In in the same way that sort of the early the early days of the Hulk book, where it's a good time to get really horrific. This is a good time to sort of set out the stall in terms of like. 
yeah, this is a lighter piece. It's a more optimistic piece. It's it's a place where we can have fun little things like a new thought core. And we can sort of plant our feet there before we kind of start getting into the really deep stuff, which we will. I'm ready for it. Thank you again, Al. Uh, thank you. To learn more about all of the cool things that are going on in Immortal Thor and the all new Thor core, make sure that you are pre-ordering, subscribing, doing everything you got to do. But most importantly, pre-order Immortal Thor number five. Ryan, give me your picks. Picks, picks, picks. Our picks of the week. I had to go first up. Daredevil number one. Saladin again coming like it's very this is a very difficult thing to do too because you're coming off of a beloved run by chip sadarsky marco Caquetto, matthew wilson a whole bunch of people um so there's big shoes to fill in doing a new daredevil series but but i think the moment saladin knew he was gonna do this saladin already knew what big swing he was gonna do and so i am not surprised like he's I feel like Saladin's been planning all of these stories his entire life, and he just goes into a like a file in his brain and goes, "It's time to do it." Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so Saladin comes in. What I one of the things I love about this is that it does not negate anything that has come before. It picks up the batons from the previous run and goes with them where they they left off, and setting up a new status quo, new situations, all kinds of stuff. But it's it feels like you we're we're continuing down, but it's a new path. And then you've got just mind-bending, gorgeous art by uh, my friend Aaron Cooter with gorgeous colors by Jesus Arbertov. This is a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous issue with cool stuff. I don't want to give but anything away. I also away want to as, shout as out to every single one yeah. of the variant covers, like oh that Kingpin God. variant cover. Yeah. If you've never read a Daredevil comic, this is a great place to just jump in. Next up, I picked Venom number 25. Look, it's Doctor Doom versus Eddie Brock across time. I loved every second of it. And this is like, oh, Al Ewing should be writing a Doctor Doom series for me right now. Just for me. Just for you? Like you don't want the, you're not going to share with the rest? No, I cannot share it. Sorry. Wow. And then uh, my third pick was Werewolf by Night number one. So much. Fun. Uh, yes! Written by Derek Landy, art by Fran Galan. There's parts of this in black and white. There's parts of this in color. It's got uh, our, our werewolf by night, who in the comics is King of the Wolves. And it's got Elsa Bloodstone. And you get their uh, interior monologues and how those mirror each other, how those conflict with each other. It is so much fun. All right. Coming up, our chat with Jesse Falcon, Ryan Ting, and Dwight Stahl. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. We are back. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, and I'm Ryan Panagos. And I'm Angelique Roche, and I can neither confirm nor deny that Ryan has been playing with Marvel Legends the entire time we've been gone. I have so many on my desk right now, but... Uh, We're not just talking about these Marvel Legends figures. We are talking about the big Marvel Legends Giant Man HasLab project. We can't do that alone. Uh, We are going to have on the show right now Jesse Falcon from uh, the Marvel team who has been working on Marvel Legends for 
20 plus years, along with Ryan Ting and Dwight Stahl over on the Hasbro side who help make Marvel Legends the glory that it is. The three of them are beautiful boys, and I love them. I always love having them on the show, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's not belabor the point. Let's get into it right now. I am very excited because I get to talk to my toy boys with a Z, friends from Marvel and Hasbro. Hi, Dwight Stahl. How are you? I am perfect, Ryan. How about yourself? Good. Ryan Ting, how are you? Hello, hello. Doing well. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. And Jesse Falcon, how are you? Uh, Some of my favorite people in the universe are in front of me right now. Could not be happier. Yeah, it's good, and it is a good time because we are talking about the brand new Marvel Legends HasLab project and figure. Let's just let's dive right into it because last week on the live stream, y'all announced this year's big project. Uh, what can you tell us about it, Ryan? Yeah, it's that it's the best time of year. Uh, we we just unveiled our, our latest Marvel Legends HasLab project, but it's actually been in the works. I think Dwight and I were chatting about this yesterday, probably a year and a half, maybe two. Uh, two years prior, but um, but as we know, and, and we can delve into the more details, but it is basically the biggest, coolest, classic giant man, you know, Marvel Legends figure we could possibly do. It is 24 inches tall, 91 points of articulation, you know, multiple facial expressions, and uh, we really think it fits in great with the modern, you know, Avengers classic collection that that is on collector shelves these days. Two years, two years. I, how many iterations uh, of of this figure, this project? Do you can you even tell how many that you go through in that that time span? Uh, I think the first uh, the first two or three months, once we decide we're doing a character like uh, Giant Man, is uh, research, pulling up uh, old comic books. Uh, battling uh, down, you know, different uh, avenues of what's the right look, what's the right costume, having multiple conversations with Mr. Falcon and uh, trying to get an alignment on which one we think not only looks the best or is the most iconic, but would also translate the best into plastic form because sometimes those things don't align and you have to zig instead of zag. And that's what the first, like, uh, two to three months usually is just trying to find which one we think will translate the best before we even dive into the, you know, sculpting and inputs to, to create. A big, a big part of this is selecting the right item, right? Because there's a lot of great Marvel dream characters, you know, other types of things that might, you know, work in the Marvel legends figure universe. And so I think a lot of time just goes into that. You know, we, we've taken some great learnings from all of our previous campaigns. You know, we were successful with the Sentinel and the Galactus, which were these really, really large, you know, fully posable action figures. And, um, it was just kind of a combination of, this being the 60th anniversary of the Avengers being celebrated all 2023. So that's kind of a good marketing beat for the campaign. And also had an Ant-Man movie earlier this year with a lot of, you know, growing and shrinking and all of that going on. And, um, and yeah, like a callback to, to Jesse and the Toy Biz team. You know, it's been, I think, 16, 17 years maybe since the last time there was a, you know, comic-inspired Hank Pym classic giant man. And, um, you know, we thought that uh, that was a good opportunity for us to, to, to do a modern take on it. And then we get into all the research and, and making sure he looks exactly right. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, Ryan, when we, you know, I think it was like 20, 20 
2016, 2017, when I went down to the Hasbro showroom at Toy Fair and I saw the, the Jabba barge, I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's this new thing we have called the HasLab. I'm like, oh, you know, Kickstart and stuff. So, okay. So I was like, eh. And, uh, you know, I think we all were like writing lists. But in, in total honesty, there were three characters on that first list and they were Galactus Sentinel and Ant-Man. And the last time we did a HasLab, we pivoted. We wanted to do the Engine of Vengeance and um, it did not work. It did not get funded. So we were like, ah, okay, great learning. So I think that a lot of what you will see with what we've built here from a standpoint of price, from a standpoint of add-ons, um, was really informed by what happened last time. Jesse, you mentioned the the the, the HasLab, the project. Um, I would love it if, Ryan, you could explain for anybody who's listening who does not know what the HasLab project sort of like system is and how it works so that we can make sure that they understand how this is going to go down. Yeah, yeah, good call. Thank you. So HasLab is Hasbro's basically crowdfund platform where all the brands, you know, uh, that we make, including Marvel Legends, you know, we create these larger-than-life projects. They are higher-ticketed items, and basically through the fans' cumulative support, if we reach the minimum amount of threshold as crowdfunds work, then the item will go into production. And it's usually a you know, 40 to 45 day long campaign from announcement to close. And then we there's a little tracker that shows the progress as we go along. And some projects fund immediately and some take a, li- a little longer, which is fine as long as we get there by the end. So for, for Giant Man, right, we launched on September 8th. This will take us through October 23rd. Uh, which is a Monday uh, at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. So for us, you know, in Rhode Island and, and, and New York, like all the way up through Monday, October 23rd, and we need 10,000 backers for the base offering uh, for Giant Man to go into production. And and Jesse spoke to the price, right? And so we can talk more about kind of the, the strategy that went into that. But, um, you know, the, the, the offering is $199.99 in the U.S., um, so the, we got the dates, we got the price point. Where do they sign up and, and, and make their pledge? Yeah, so you go to the Hasbro Pulse uh, website, which I believe uh, is pulse.hasbro.com. So you can go check that out. You know, the, it'll be one of the very first things you see uh, is the, the running Giant Man campaign. Dwight, you mentioned, you know, thinking about the the look and some things work in, in the scale and the space in, in 3D and some don't. What what made you choose this specific costume, this design, as opposed to other suits? I mean, I've, you know, Hank Pym has had a ton, a ton of looks. Yeah, um, we wanted to find something that we felt everybody would recognize as Hank Pym. Because like you said, with all those different looks, uh, some of them you, you you open a book and you're like, yeah, that's clearly Giant Man. And other ones takes a little bit more time to process what you're looking at. So. We, just to just to be totally transparent, Dwight, we had to d- walk Dwight off the cliff. He really wanted to do the shirtless Clint Barton. I was just uh, thinking that, right? yeah, with the, like the weird <laughs> like chest things, right? It was a long night. Ryan and I had to spend a long <laughs> night with him. He was very committed. He had built built a costume. He was walking around the place, knocking things over. I I also thought Goliath with a giant uh, punch out hole in the middle of his stomach would have been really fun too. You wow. know, maybe we'll have to save that one for uh, for somewhere down the line. That's why I'm getting two. Let <laughs> <laughs> me drill that in. Uh, yeah. So, um, and then we wanted to look at like other ones that have been done in the past. So we looked at a lot of different statues that were made back in the day. Some of the Bowen stuff um, compared it to the build a figure that uh, Jesse worked on back in the uh, big 10 figure build a figure wave. 
and try to find things that uh, aligned and yet would set it apart to make it unique and different than the other ones because we didn't want to just tread directly on uh, you know what's already been we wanted to make sure that it, this one uh, was fresh and different um, it's still very iconic but um, would stand out from the other things you might already have in your collection if you've been collecting if you've been collecting for a long time you know you might have some of these other uh, uh, treasures from the past but if you're new to it now it gives you an opportunity to dive in and buy something that you know really special for for the you know the current collect uh, collectors out there I, I like that you mentioned Bowen because the I think of the old school Bowen busts and how just like how real they felt and then looking at the the photos because I haven't actually seen your giant man up close he's got that tactile that like the texture and the feel and that expression and the just the really minute details it feels it feels premium in that way like I know we throw around this is a premium thing but like yeah it feels really nice looks really cool it's- it's a very simple costume. Like really, when you look at it, it's a very simple costume. I think that you know when the you know when the, the team that was working on the book back in the '60s was like, "How do I draw this quickly? You know, how do I draw this quickly and get on to the next page? You know." But so, like, and, and honestly, that's a, that's a challenge that you know the Hasbro team's risen to over and over again when it comes down to stuff like this. You know, I would say even when you look at the Galactus costume or the Sentinels, you know, when they were first illustrated, pretty pretty simple, straightforward designs. And I, I think to, to your point, Ryan, that's what was really nice about Bowen stuff is it was the first, one of the first teams that really treated the Marvel brand like real art, three-dimensional real art. Um, and I, I don't think that any team I've ever worked with, especially this, because we talk about Randy Bowen a lot, shockingly, you know, about like, because we were all younger when we saw that stuff. And I think we all had the same experience. Um, how do we bring that tactile um, a wow feeling to people when they see this for the first time. So uh, Dwight and Ryan really rose to the occasion and, and knocked it out of the park. Every nuance, and they bring this up, like every zipper, every seam, you know, every every conceivable little place where we can add some detail or texture, they've gone in and done the work. Yeah. Um, there, I, I think we, we mentioned briefly, there was a couple years ago, a giant man figure that was a Comic-Con exclusive. And I think I think I have it. The, the box came with mm-hmm. a little Ant-Man ear, like uh, antenna that um, <laughs> that rolled out. And then, yeah, there's the figure that is probably, I don't know, what is that, 10, 12 inches? Yeah, about 12 inches. About 12 inches. So, you know, what else makes this one different? I mean, obviously we're talking about those things, but I want to stress that to anyone listening. Like there's some crazy articulation going on here. There's those little details you mentioned. Well, first you got to stack a giant man on top of a giant man. (laughs) And then you have to tape about eight more of them to him to get the volume of the scale. Um, You know, he's, he's massive. Like at 24 inches tall, there's a lot of uh, of plastic to work with there. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's doubled the last uh, giant man that Hasbro has produced. So that's pretty impressive in and among itself. Um, the articulation system is the most articulated uh, HasLab we've done thus far. Um, it has a double torso articulation. It's got the rocker and the inverted ab crunch. It has the torso butterflies, allowing for a lot more posing and movement in the arms. It has the double pinless arms and legs for maximum bending and movement. The hands are Ryan's uh, favorite part of this figure. Uh, how many points are on each hand, Ryan? 
uh, 29 to be exact. <laughs> yeah, a ridiculous amount of articulation and uh, posing that you can do with the different types of grips for holding or smashing whatever you want. And then on top of all of, oh, it also has two articulation, which is something that we haven't done yet on a HasLab. Um, and then from there, we have the uh, swappable face plates. We tried uh, something new with Galactus where you were able to remove his mouthpiece and make him stoic or angry or turn him into a, 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 a either the dead Galactus that was under New York or like if you want to pretend he's a zombie, you could do that. Um, and we took that to the next level by including the eyes and the whole face piece slides out under his red hood uh, and you can swap them around. So this giant man comes with three different human expressions, um, stoic, uh, happy, and uh, really pissed off. So you have uh, three different variations that you can mix and match uh, depending on what mood you're in or what mood your giant man's in or whatever uh, photo needs you may have if you're you know, into toy photography. Hey, Dwight, can you talk about the eyes for a minute, Ryan? I, I just want to point this out because the only time I've ever seen this done before was on a 12-inch uh, Kakaider action figure from Japan because Kakaider has this, like, transparent part of his head where you can see he's, like, part robot. One of, the, one of the characters is part robot. You can kind of see, like, the, you know, the lights and the servos lighting up. And the way that they do that is they, they carve the, and the negative space out of the inside of the side of the head, cast it in clear, and then paint that part. Um, I had never seen that done before, and, and, and Dwight took that technique and is applying it to the eyes here, and I think it's, it's really fantastic. It gives it a level of realism, both for the, you know, the three different human faces and the, <laughs> the other two heads that we have um, that you've never seen before in a Marvel Legends action figure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we were yeah we were highly inspired by as uh, as silly as it sounds uh, dolls. You know, uh, a lot of the dolls that my kids had growing up had those beautiful glass eyes, and uh, we wanted to figure out a way that we could create something like that. And that's what what the eyes are. They're um, a clear piece. They're set together. The left and the right are one unit, and it's all painted on the back side of the uh, uh, eyeball, and then it's covered behind the the clear piece that is your eyeball so it has a much more lifelike um uh when you look at it it looks real you know from from a distance it looks like you're looking at a real thing because we've done other large figures in the past um i have fin fang foom behind me and you know i I hope to have an opportunity to retackle something like that again with this type of technology because at the six inch scale, our normal Legends figures, you, you know, the, the photo reel by itself is, is absolutely spectacular and looks great. But when you double, triple, quadruple the size of a head, the paint falls apart a little bit. So being able to use this on humanoid things going forward, I think is going to be a big boon to uh, raising the game on, uh, you know, what these things look like going forward for hopefully many, many Haslevs in years to come. I love a boon. <laughs> yeah. You know, of course, uh, a HasLab figure is going to have tier upgrades, additions. Can you run us through some of those? I know we talked about the, the faceplates, but there's more to it. Yeah, so the, the base offering, the one that we need to reach 10,000 backers, includes the three human Hank faceplates for the stoic, smiling, and angry expression. So there are two additional tier unlocks. The first one will be unlocked at 12,000 backers, and that's going to be a zombie faceplate and interchangeable zombie antenna to give him a zombified profile. So Dwight, do you want to talk him through tier one? 
Yeah, let's uh, let's bust open the multiverse, right? You know, what's better than a HasLab? How about a troop building HasLab? And uh, the ability that if you want to have uh, Hank battling his zombie alternate from another piece of the multiverse, why not? So the um, coloring of the zombie faceplate matches the other um, zombies we've been doing recently. So it's this. It looks like it belongs in the same world as the uh, Scarlet Witch. Uh, Captain America and Iron Man, which is nice. That way, if you have some of those figures, you know, it won't look out of place. Um, and it's got really grotesque kind of uh, detailing. Um, Tony, um, we dusted uh, one of our buddies off. He came back uh, to help us out with the uh, faces for Giant Man. And he went all in with the disgustingness for that thing. The teeth, the rotted gums, half of his nostril has been blown off. Um, you know, the eyes are kind of like the sickly color of, you know, trans, you know, something that's not quite, you know, he needs, he needs a lot of, uh, rest and he needs a lot of visine. Um, but it's pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive, uh, uh, the, the mastery that, uh, he was able to put into the deco on the creation of that, uh, that really, really disgusting piece. I'm so glad we could do zombie stuff like fully it's i have the captain america zombie up above me i have a bunch of legends um above my 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 desk in my office and i just i look at that one just that blue color is just perfect the the zombie setup too is where the that finger articulation we talked about that's where it really shines because (laughs) every knuckle on every thing on each finger can basically rotate and has a hinge so for the zombie setup you can get some really like unnaturally broken kind of hand setups which when our you know we did the diorama photography uh which you'll see you can you can kind of look at the hands and he it it looks really gross and really cool all right so that's twelve thousand. what about fourteen thousand? So the second unlock is going to be at 14,000 units and in a similar vein to, to give you a, a yet another you know, way to display your giant man is going to be an alternate head piece. Dwight. Yeah, this alternate it. head piece is a scrawl variation. So unlike the faceplates of the previous versions we've talked about, this is an entirely different alternate head because the scrawl ears are coming out of the side of his uh, um, mask where those... Uh, three plates are on all the other variations. Um, he's got a really, really uh, cool uh, yellow eyes. Um, they have the same treatment with the clear plastic and, and everything else. So they look just as uh, lifelike, but they're uh, yellow. Um, his skin tones match the other scrawls in the anniversary program from this year, the Scrawl Queen and the Super Scrawl. So once more, there's continuity amongst your other collections. And now you have the opportunity to not buy one, but two, but three different multiversal <laughs> uh, giant mans. And Jesse, if he needs his fourth to punch the hole through the belly, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, added uh, fun you can get if you uh, buy uh, deep into this uh, awesome giant offering. Yeah, I I feel like you you all were very clever and very smart. I was saying this to our producer Jasmine earlier. I was like, oh, thinking about the scrolls that y'all have released recently, thinking about the zombies. Oh, that, there was a plan all along because in the campaign, everybody can see that the great photography that's there of, of like the giant man scroll with the other scroll figures, the the zombie with the other zombie figures. It's it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, and just thinking about this whole teaser campaign, it was really fun too. You have the comic panel inspired photography. Do who's doing that for you? Do you have like one photographer in house? Do you bring in someone who's just like this is the superstar of of the community? 
Yeah, so Hasbro, we have a bunch of staff photographers, um, you know, several of which shoot the Marvel Legends kind of standard e-com shots that, you know, you'd see on the retailer websites. But for this campaign, you know, we work very closely with the uh, Spark team and the branding team. So shout out to Jonathan for his guidance there. Um, and we used a photographer named Matt. So you can actually check out his work. He's at Shooting the Galaxy. He does a lot of Marvel Legends, you know, Star Wars Black Series, G.I. Joe, classified for Hasbro. But we basically built the biggest diorama, I want to say, that the photo studio has ever made. And you'll kind of see in, in those those main shots of like the cityscape, they were setting up whole like streets and alleys with all these buildings because we needed such a large space for for giant man to walk around and i I got to run around the office and find all of these old legends or i should say recent legend figures so because we had this big idea to tell a story where it was you know the avengers celebrating their 60th anniversary in 2023 but then ultron is kind of the main antagonist and he's surrounded by a bunch of other marvel villains and then um there was going to be a bunch of other ultron bots for all the avengers to fight and then we've got an awesome shot of you know giant man ripping an ultron bot in half um and then yeah he kind of comes to save the day uh and take down all the villains so that was a really fun photo shoot and uh yeah shout out to matt for for really executing that there's something that's uh, absolutely delightful about watching uh, a photographer get the perfect shot and then some action figure on the third table back falls and he has to climb and crawl or like a giant kaiju uh, you know, set up to climb through the city to get back to these tables to uh, fix the fallen uh, hero or villain. Uh, over and over again to see. And I, I don't know if anyone took pictures of that stuff, but I hope it exists where there's, you know, you guys climbing around like children uh, uh, trying to set this thing up and fix things as they, we, you know. We took some behind the scenes photos of the setups, Dwight, and they actually, the way they did it was, I think it was like six folding tables like four lined up and then two on top and then they laid you know one big flat piece and put everything on top of it and yeah to get to set up figures in the middle of the table you had to crawl on top of it very carefully and not step in the wrong place like in between the tables so it felt like we were at like a wrestling show or something i know i know we're wrestling fans but like you know am i gonna fall through this table like what's going on here but it all it all came out really gorgeous and, and we're proud of it Taking bumps for Marvel Legends. It's a good thing. Um, you know, thinking about it, it's like you, it feels like you all also, all the things you talked about of thinking about Marvel history and the costumes and all the practicality and, and what would be cool and all that stuff, but it also feels like you think about the community when you're developing figures, um, be it the collectors of teams or eras or even photography and dioramas and stuff like that. Because I know a lot of fans who just they set these things up and they have really cool displays and they make some great art out of this. Um, what does the Marvel legends community mean to all of you? So, you know, Jesse, you've been with the, the Marvel legends team the longest. What does that, what does that community mean? It's a great question. Um, I don't know that I have an easy answer for that. I, I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's very exciting, you know, the, the, that, that, that people are interested and, and compassionate and, and, and passionate about this line 20 plus years in. Um, and I think about that when we start, you know, line planning, I think we're just about to kick off. We're, we just kicked off 2025, right? So, so like, how do we, you know, in my mind, Marvel Legends is a show, you know, like, so for, for instance, this, this thing that we just finished with the HasLab is really just like the closer for this Avengers 60th program that we put together, which, which is really like, Figures, vehicles, plus size figures, two packs, 
you know, it has a whole scope of different things in it. Um, we've been doing these fall programs for a couple of years and we will continue to do them. This one so far has been my favorite because it really is, if you put all this stuff together, you know, on an island shot of a commercial, which is the final thing that you see, I'm like, there's a whole, this is like, you know, a whole year's worth of stuff. And we've, we've done this in the fall. So, um, you know, it, it's a show to me. And I, I, I love that people keep coming back to the show and people are passionate about the show. Um, that's, that's kind of where my head's at. <laughs> Increasingly in the past couple of years, especially, you know, through, through the lockdown when everyone had more time on their hands, but just, you know, there's so many more like content creators out in the legends community. So we love, you know, watching the live streams and the videos and, and hearing the feedback. And, and we do want to, you know, give fans the types of characters, the types of items that they'd love to see in their collections, figure photography plays a greater role because we know that's become more popular that people want to share you know their collections and also their you know their skills and i'll just say in with regards to like the crowdfund campaign aspect of it this is still a relatively fairly new mechanism you know the past couple of years and we've done a couple for marvel but we're always trying to improve and take learnings from previous campaigns that that you know and best practices that we see you know we can there was a lot of speculation over what what the tiers would be and we, and we talked about how these tiers really enhance the giant man experience and that 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 was kind of our goal offering you know the community the best giant man experience possible we didn't really want to get distracted again by additional six inch figures as tiers because everyone has their crazy wish list right of figures that that they'd maybe love to see in a HasLab. but we wanted just to really focus it on giant man and if there were very popular you know Avengers characters in this universe, we'll, we'll get to them as regular releases. We don't need to tie everything to a HasLab necessarily, which will be, you know, a more expensive proposition for the fans. Like if we, so we wanted to make this an, an isolated, awesome giant man, and there will definitely be more Avengers Legends figures in the future. Thinking about this year, obviously, Jesse, you mentioned you're, you're in 2025 land. So I, you all, you have to work well in advance, but you do see what hits shelves, what is new, what is like what people are unboxing and, and getting their hands on. Do you have any favorite, each of you have any favorite Marvel Legends releases for this year? Like specific ones you're just like, man, I'm so glad we did that. I'm so glad people have their hands on that. Uh, I've got one sitting on my desk right now. It's a two pack for a f I don't know that we've announced yet. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So Jesse cheated. Dwight, what about <laughs> you? I cheated. I cheated. I uh, know. Wait a second. Maybe this will be out. Wait. Uh, the single pack action figures. Holy shit. I'm, I have an, a reason to swear. And I work with every single action figure company on the planet. On the planet. These are the best looking action figures that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, 25 bucks. Get out of town. I'll take the Pepsi challenge all day long with anybody who wants to. So, so sorry, sorry, Jesse. We're we're not uh, we're not revealing those until PulseCon. So you're gonna but, have to cut all but, this out. Come so, on, come on. So if you had any other, if you had any other, uh, you know, options and wanted to talk through, we'd love to hear <laughs> all right, that. I'm sorry, guys. We probably shouldn't talk about those two things. But um, so listen, we we've we've we're a little we're longer the tooth in the Marvel Legends way, right? We we've had our opportunity to do um, characters near and far. And this summer, uh, we showed off Crystal the Crystal Warrior. I do have a sample of it. Uh, it it's, it's giving me an untold amount of joy. If this character does well, who knows what other characters from that era could pop their way into a Marvel Legends line in the future. Ryan, what about you? 
So in addition to the 60th anniversary of Avengers this fall, we did a smaller program earlier in the year for the X-Men anniversary. And so we got to go back and do a bunch of, uh, you know, cool, uh, uh, you know, Uncanny X-Men 275, kind of yellow and blue costumes. But there was a deluxe blob figure that I really love and I think came out great. You know, Hasbro did a did a blob figure in the early days of Marvel Legends, uh, which is kind of really hard to, to track down these days. But the new blob was awesome. And then for the Avengers 60th, I love the Hawkeye and the Sky Cycle just because it reminded it reminds me of the old, you know, uh, Captain America and the Avengers video game where there was Iron Man, Vision, Hawkeye, and Cap. And then in, in the levels where you needed to fly around, Hawkeye and Cap needed to ride the Sky Cycle because they can't fly on their own. And so, you know, working with Jesse and Dwight on picking the right look for the Sky Cycle, I just really love how that came out. Yeah, last year at uh, last year at PulseCon, I wore a big silver helmet of something that I was looking forward to. So having a Strife and that X program um, delivered at that level made me very, very just kind of happy uh, in all those uh, warm little spaces. Um, beyond that, the Avengers program, I really, really love how the uh, super articulated Black Widow came out. Our ladies have been lagging a little bit behind the men, uh, you know, in the, you know, conception of many, many figures in this line. Um, and that was always due to me being stubborn because the technology wasn't there to deliver a female figure at the same level of aesthetic awesomeness as the men because of the thinness of their bodies and the size of the pins that would have been cut through them. And I was hard fast on not wanting to open certain doors. But then a year or so ago, when we started having some breakthroughs with this pinless, pinless technology, it allowed us to go back and look at things differently and make some much, much needed improvements to our female figures. And I think that's what we're delivering at a very, very high level with this Black Widow, with the, the first super articulated female figure with the double you know, torso, the double elbows, uh, shoulders, butterflies, all of that to make a, uh, a female base now that's on par with the best male bases that we have out there, which is wonderful for that ability to go forward and use that on other characters down the line and uh, do even more because we've already retooled her torso to be a smooth uh, female. So that'll allow us to open up the door to do other of those base costumes, uh, you know, further down the line. And the, the, the faces on that Black Widow are absolutely stunning the way the uh, photo reel came out on them. So she's definitely a top uh, figure for me. I love uh, as well as that, uh, that blob figure was fun to revisit him after all these years strife is perfection and speaking of the the female <laughs> figures the daredevil electra daredevil so good i've been fiddling around with her as soon as i took her out of the packaging the other day she's fantastic figure um all around good stuff now can you give us any marvel legends teases for the coming months where ryan won't yell at you jesse or dwight about <laughs> revealing I'm gonna, stuff? I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna say anything i'll let these guys do it because honestly like they, they really are the keepers of the schedule and i i i, I know too much i'm, I'm making myself up to I, I make myself a problem basically so I, i'll keep my mouth zipped yeah, yeah so, so we've got PulseCon coming up, right, on, which is September 22nd. Uh, tune in. So all the brands will be doing their thing, including the Marvel Legends team here. And uh, if we want to just tease some kind of stuff, yeah, I think it's, it, it's a balance of both more comic goodness and some live action, you know, MCU type figures, which uh, I know Jesse really loves. And so I'll just leave the tease there for PulseCon. Nice. I'm I'm taking I'm pleading the fifth with Jesse. The the more I talk, uh, 
out of line, the more trouble I get myself into. So uh, I'll let Ryan be the master uh, manipulator of the scheduled releases, and I'll let him. Uh, I'll let him do that. Very good. Uh, a big I, shout out to Dan, who really does manage a lot of this. Who's not here today? Dan, yeah, Dan, we love you, Dan. Uh, he's such a huge part of this team um and uh, a crucial part of the team as well so we miss you dan and we'll see you soon yeah um now is any chance fans will be able to see giant man in person anytime soon yes so i was gonna i was gonna follow up with that so we are currently finalizing plans to join you all ryan uh at new york comic-con i believe it's october 12th i want to say but yeah so when the 15th Yep, so we'll be there, you know, with you guys in the Marvel booth, and uh, I think the whole Marvel Legends crew will be there, including Dan. So Dan, Ryan, Dwight, Jesse, and some other folks as well on the team will we'll be having some other uh, Marvel activations, but that will be a place to see Giant Man a little bit towards the end of the campaign, to see him up close and personal, really taking all those details from the costumes to the, the faces to the eyes that, you know, Dwight and Jesse were talking about. So come see us at New York Comic Con if you're able to. Uh, it seems like that interview was a giant success, Ryan. Hey, there you go. You were waiting on that one. Yeah, I was. I've been holding that one in for a minute. I'm not going to lie. All right. Once again, go to HasbroPulse.com where you can uh, check out all the details on this HasLab project and you can back it. You have until October 23rd to do it. But until that, it is time for community, aka this week in messages, jazz, 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 jazz. All right. So as we get into our question of the week section, uh, we're thinking about what we should talk about uh, next week on the show. We should have writer Jerry Duggan to talk about all kinds of wonderful stuff uh, because it's Jerry and he he does many many things for us. But most importantly, we will be talking about the embedding nuptials between. Emma Frost and Tony Stark across the pages of X-Men and Invincible Iron Man. So with that in mind, this is an easy one. What are your favorite Marvel weddings? And also it could be, what are your favorite Marvel weddings to, to like dunk on? Which, cause oh. I think that's where you're going, Angelique. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. Like, although I love my sweet, sweet, sweet baby Remy LeBeau, Ryan, uh, I have to say that one of my favorite recent weddings was definitely um, Rogue and Gambit. Uh, I also just love the whole like storyline and dilemma with Rogue and dampening her powers and being able to like be herself. And, you know, those two are always getting in trouble. And somehow she still loves him, even though he is clearly always up to something. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, also, Deadpool does make a random, like, <laughs> just like a random cameo during their honeymoon, which I will always think is one of the greatest Deadpool cameos okay. ever. It's like, basically, he just gets kicked out of the ship and is just floating in space at one point. It's, it's it. great. Yeah. It's great. Uh, for me, I would probably go... Um, of course, Fantastic Four Annual number three, The Wedding of oh, Reed yeah. and Sue. It's just... It's big and it's fun and there's lots of and it's, Easter eggs. Isn't it one of the first times we see like so many of the characters on like like together? Yeah, it's a, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of heroes. There's the whole Stan and Jack little bit in there, which is adorable. Um, there's a version of that in Marvels, which is really cool. Uh, so I love that. That's like 
obviously the gold standard. Uh, but then just nostalgia standpoint, I love the wedding of Scott and Jean from X-Men number 30 that came out when I was a kid. Um, because like it came at such an intense point for the X-Men. Wolverine was still like dealing with everything that had been done to him with his adamantium and stuff like that. But then I also want to point out the issue of what if number 60 that came out shortly thereafter, which is the wedding album issue, which looks at three other universes and what ifs around that, which I love pairing them together. You read X-Men 30, then you read what if number 60. It is a, it is a beautiful meal for your brain. And as a honorable mention, we can never forget North Star's wedding. Oh, yeah. Ever, ever. So good. Ever, ever. So good. Ever. Yeah. We want to know what your favorite Marvel wedding is, so you can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. Email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ThisWeekInMarvel. Please make sure to tell us if it is okay to read Twim on the show. All right. Time for our answers for last week's question of the week, which reminder was, what's your favorite Marvel Legends figure? So let's start off with tweets. We have Olakin at Olakin Prime. The OG Modoc build a figure by Toy Biz. For more than a decade, the definitive Modoc figure, it probably still is. Really love the sculpting and detail on this one and the rocket exhaust base slash display stand is an inspired design choice. All right, Ryan. I didn't even put that in there. Like, I didn't tweet that. Thank you, Olikin. I know, but like, I feel like this it's one true. was just for you. It's true. It's so good. It sits behind me in my office in a, in a primo spot. It is a beautiful, beautiful figure. Um, I love it so much. Uh, then, when it, continuing on with the, the answers to what's your favorite Marvel Legends fig, Jesse Lamech tweeted... Whoa, hard question. I honestly really very love all Marvel Legends figures, especially of my favorite characters like Spider-Man. I love all Spidey figures, Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen, etc. You know, thinking about the figures that I've been playing with, I've been playing with some of the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse figures here. The Miles is so flexible and so spindly and oh man, it's a great little figure. Really, really good. One, I love that's the intent in in the legends, right? Because that's what you would imagine as you see him on screen, that he's just like, he's he's doing all the things. Um, And then we got Edwin V at Edwin V13074987. Hard to pick a favorite, but I love my She-Hulk. It's a great She-Hulk figure. Like, she looks, she looks great. We got an email from Carol, and Carol said, Hi, Twim Team. So far, I have collected 26 Legends figures. So I'm at the beginning of what I hope will one day become a giant collection. I think my favorites of the 26 I have are MCU, Jane Foster, slash the Mighty Thor, Rocket Raccoon, and Sylvie. My favorite of those three has to be Sylvie. She was the first one I got, and getting that figure made me want to start collecting them. So... The Sylvie figure specifically has a very special place in my heart. P.S. Mobius and the TVA Loki are also great. I have so many favorites. It's so hard to choose. I love that, Carol. Also, 26 is not like a small small collection. Probably have about 30 on display. So, like, I know that that's a lot because I look at it and go, I have a lot of toys just, like, on my walls. 
I, I shame you not, sir. All right. Thank you all so much, Ryan. I, I think. That's a wrap. It's, it's the end. Yeah, we did it. This episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, Angelique Roche, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager, audio production and development is Brad Barton. Emily Godfrey is our production manager. Special thanks to MODOK. That's it. You, there is, we don't need to qualify that at all. I'm Ryan. Nope. I'm Angelique. This is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>